Ed Mithalcha, welcome to the Crown Bay Hall podcast for April 27, 2023. My name's Terry O'Donnell, and I'm back again for another episode of Backpage News from Around the World and an op-ed about something offbeat. In these weekly podcasts, I try to stay away from the prominent headline news of the week because it seems redundant to repeat the same news that is in your face all week. Instead, I try to offer you backpage stories from news organizations and writers from around the world that might be related to those headlines, or they may be something totally offbeat that might bring you a smile and make you think for a moment. I want to give listeners a disclosure up front. I'm of Irish descent, so the name of this podcast is in Gaelic, which translates to the Tree of Life. I have added some common Gaelic language greetings to add a little character, deliver with my American accent, I just hope I don't offend any Irish listeners. This show is more about me being able to bring attention to the injustices I read about in the world news every day. I wanted a friendly space to promote my activism towards the wrongs of the world, hopefully without causing trouble with anyone. The stories that bring to your attention are presented without bias towards anyone other than stupid humans, regardless of their affiliation. I offer this free to anyone who cares to listen because it's therapy for me. I was a career soldier in my younger days, and I still have some lingering issues from my many deployments around the world, defending the United States' right to bully everyone and commit war crimes in the name of their national security. Also, I have no desire to add any sponsored commercials to this show, because I feel like it takes away from the idea of what this show is about. I will take a half-hour break to wet my whistle, where I promote my own work and publications I post to, so no worries. Now let's have a go for what I found for you this week. My first story of the day, UN reports off-the-charts melting of glaciers by Robin Millard and AFP News. This came out of Geneva. The world's glaciers melted at dramatic speed last year, and saving them is effectively a lost cause, United, Station, United Nations reported Friday, as climate change indicators once again hit record highs. This is an article from Europe and the UN about how the glaciers around the world are past saving and how once they're gone, the world will run out of fresh water in a lot of regions that depend on their meltwater. The good news, according to WMO chief Patari Talis, is that because so many countries are working on climate change initiatives, the world can likely make a comeback by the 2060s due to more affordable green energy and better mitigation methods. Well, we all, I'm not going to be around by 2060, but my kids will. My de- definitely my grandchildren will be around, so maybe that's a good thing. Here's another climate change article. TikTok is banning all climate change denial content. This is something that TikTok can get behind by Christiana Silva on, on April 20th. Starting April 21st, TikTok will begin to ramp up enforcement of its new climate change misinformation policy. All climate-related content searches will be directed to authoritative information sourced in partnership with the United Nations. United Nations. This is good news from, the so- from any social media platform for a change. So much better than anything you're likely to find in Twitter and some of the other ones. Here's another climate change article I picked up. And this is not good news. California and other western states lead in unhealthy unhealthy levels of air pollution, report shows. This is published on the 19th from Emma Neuberger in CNBC.com. 
Another climate story about how the western part of the U.S. is experiencing extremely high air pollution due to worsening heat, drought, and wildfires. 120 million people, more than a third of the population, lived in unhealthy levels of air pollution between 2019 and 2021. More than 64 million people of color lived in counties with higher levels of pollution, comprising more than half of the people who live with unhealthy air quality. So that means, well, anybody who's been around any time knows that Los Angeles is a bowl. It's in a valley between the mountains, and it has suffered from air pollution for decades. Well, think about it here is that although this applies to Western United States, you can mag- add, add this to all of the other places around the world that are suffering from the same thing. I, I saw a report in the news this morning about Sudan and the drought that they had over there is definitely, according to the scientists, they've now proven it, is attributed to climate change. And that's a thing. So, you know, Western United States, Southwestern United States, definitely in line with Sudan and the rest of the world, it's only going to get worse. And here's kind of a funny story here, and it's also a climate story. Minnesota City breaks record for snowiest winter. With 138.3 inches of snow, this season beat out the previous record holder, the winter of 1995 and 1996, which had 135.4 inches of snow. This is in Duluth. It's going to go down in the history books as the snowiest winter on record. Now, I remember living when I, in Caribou, Maine back in 2008, 2009, and we had the worst snow record up there at 120 inches that winter, and I thought that was bad. Snow banks were so high, I couldn't move my snowblower and get it up over the snow banks anymore by the time March came around. And the snow banks were a couple of feet above my head. So can you imagine more, even more than that in Duluth? I, I feel bad for them people up there. That's going to be a long melt season here in the spring. And here's another bad news thing. And this is not exactly climate per se, although it does involve a climate protester. Cop City protester was shot 57 times, had no gun do, gunpowder residue on his hands. The police narrative on the murder of the environmental activist nor known as Tartakita is quickly falling apart by Prem Thacker in the New Republic News. Now, back in January, a climate activist by the name of Miguel Esteban Paez Taran, known by Tartakita, was killed just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, during a campout in an old forest area where the city wants to build a new police training facility. The police were sent in to clear out the protesters, and they shot and killed this young man from Venezuela. The police claim he had a gun, so they shot in self-defense. Now it looks like due to independent investigation and another autopsy report, the Atlanta PD are trying to cover up the real truth. There was suspicion at the time that one of their own fired the shot that started it all when that shot wounded a police officer at the scene. Now the real truth is coming out. He was sitting on his blanket with his hands up, and the cops shot him out of fear from an unknown gunshot that hit a cop. Typical Americans. And in here, this changing gears here, this is all about the gun violence here in the United States. As we all know, and around the world, a young man by the name of Ralph Yarl in St. Louis, Missouri, got shot. Thankfully, he's still alive, but he got shot by an 84-year-old white man through his door because the young man rang his doorbell. Now, he probably had... 
he probably had one of those door cameras uh, on his front door, so he was able to, to see who was standing on his front porch and just shot through the door without even bothering. You know, that's that's crazy. So the story is, was in Tom Hartman's um, Hartman report, and this is the time that will help the rest of America break those bonds by explaining how profitable hate and fear are for those media and social media empires. Basically, what it talks about is Fox News, which we know all the trouble they've had this week, the late Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, and other right-wing media creating an addiction similar to heroin and Oxycontin. This is likely the cause of why that young man nearly got killed by this 84-year-old man, and probably the same for that 65-year-old man shooting that car turning around in his driveway. Addiction to Fox Media and right-wing other radio and podcasts. The cycle will continue until U.S. citizens finally wake up and realize they are being conned for profit, and R- Rupert Murdoch, Mark Zuckerberg, and others are laughing all the way to the bank, making billions from all the chaos they created for profit. Misinformation and all kinds of stuff is making millions and billions for people like Rupert Murdoch and Mark Zuckerberg, and while we're dying by the thousands over gunshots. And here's another one here. This is about school. So for anybody who, you know, outside the United States who doesn't know, we have a a constitution that says that we will have separation between church and state. So now the state of Texas is trying to force religion back into public schools. Well, public schools is a government-funded entity. That means it's government. Can't not you cannot insert church in a state or federal public institution. So this 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 is in the Krasenstein newsletter, a short article about a bill making its way through the Texas state legislature, legislature making it mandatory to display the Christian Ten Commandments in every public classroom. How many people think this violates the Constitution about separate separation of church and state? I do. How many other red states will follow suit if this is allowed to stand? And how much further will they go with all this towards white Christian nationalism? Do the citizens of the United States have the will to stop this? Or will they let it all slide into white Christian nationalistic theocracy after 2024? So, again, that depends on who gets elected president in 2024. But the other part of that is, will the judges in these circuit courts allow this to stand because in the constitution as i've said before we have a a law that says there will be separation between the two in all of our government institutions so you know it's one thing you want to do this in a private school no problem christian schools do it all the time but a public school yeah no i mean i think they're going to get a fight over that one And then here's an article here. I pulled this from medium.com. Now I get, I get a news digest, if you will, from writers all over the world. Some of them I read and some of them are important. Some of them I dismiss, but I pulled this one simply because this guy wrote a very good article. The real reason behind the myth of white supremacy. When the opposite is true, fury becomes a virus of self-loathing and hate by Charles Bastille in Medium.com. An article published about slavery from a slave's point of view 
and how strong their descendants have become to overcome all the challenges they endured through the ages, and still are. This is a very good read from an accomplished author. I say that only because he's written a few books. I'm going to post the link to this on the webpage here for Substack, where this podcast is at, and it'll come up in an email if, you, if you're a subscriber. But the big thing about this is it's it puts a very different perspective on things, and I think it's an important piece for people to read. And I don't care what color your skin is. You can be white with purple polka dots. It's still important to read. As the war on books rage, a Virginia school official proposes closing down libraries. Spotsylvania County, Virginia, superintendent, it, floated the idea as cost-cutting measures before then removing a dozen titles from the shelves. This is from Natalie Baptiste in HuffPost.com. A story about how one school administrator is suggesting in public that school libraries be shut down over the divisions on which books the students be allowed to read in school until the school district can decide what they want. This battle is raging in conservative counties across the United States right now. So they're talking, this is when, this is, this goes to the, all the, the book banning going across the country in all the red states. And the libraries are taking huge hits, uh, not just Florida, but in red states everywhere. Texas and Florida leading the way. But as you can see, this came out of Virginia. But the big thing about these book bannings is that school boards are all up in arms with each other over what to ban and who gets to say on who, who can ban what. And because of all of this controversy, librarians and school administrators, like in this case, are wondering, well, should we just shut down the libraries so everybody can make up their mind what they want? You know, I guess, good question. This is an opinion piece from USA Today by Nick Brook. Another piece on education. Is it woke to teach kindness? With teachers' hands tied, racism flourishes in the classroom. It's another piece from a school principal in Oklahoma talking about how racism is rising in schools because teachers and administrators are being stopped from curtailing it anymore by media and the state boards of education. He talks about how hundreds of Oklahoma's teachers have been exiled or have left the state because of all this controversy. This goes back to what I was saying last week about red states having a lot of empty public school buildings in the next few years with the kids either being shut out of schools altogether because they can't afford to go to private schools or the other, the top half, all being in private schools. And here's another education. Well, this one, now we're sliding into the transgender issue that's rampant across the world, most especially here in the United States and even in Canada now. Florida Republicans passed bill allowing trans kids to be removed from their families. This is just the latest anti-trans bill passed in the state, but it's among the most dangerous. Now, this is by Tory Otten in the New Republic News. Florida's House of Representatives passed a bill Wednesday that would let the state take transgender, transgender minors away from their families if they're receiving gender-affirming care. If it becomes law, the bill will allow the state to take custody of a child if they have been subjected to or are threatening with being subjected to gender-affirming care, which includes puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapy. Florida courts could modify custody agreements from a different state if the minor is likely to receive gender-affirming care in that second state. 
The text refers to gender-affirming care as sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures, and this qualifies as a form of physical harm, according to the state of Florida. That's really, really bad. I mean, they're getting serious. Now, at this point, I'm hearing more and more stories about how all the parents and transgender people in Florida are getting ready, if they haven't already started, to leave the state en masse. I mean, not that that's going to make a huge dent in their population, but it goes to show you that article I gave you last week about interstate migrations. Well, it's starting to get worse. And here's another thing about Transamerica. This is called the end of Transamerica comes into focus. The laws proposed around the country by Republicans would make life for transgender people functionally impossible. The danger is in being underwrought, not overwrought. Another story from NewRepublic.com. This is by Bryn Tannehill. Republicans have made it clear that their number one legislative and cultural priority is the eradication of transgenderism from public life, as was stated by Daily Wire host Michael Knowles at the Conservative Political Action Conference this year. And that that's pretty huge. I mean, they basically... This is like trying to commit genocide in a way. Um, and, 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 and I've got another article here I'm going to mention here in a few minutes regarding that. And there's another one. It's not just trans kids. Republicans are coming after trans adults like me too. And this one is from Alex Myers. This move by Missouri's Attorney General is the first attack on gender-affirming care for transgender adults. And it won't be the last. And this was in The Guardian. And he's right. They're coming after anything and everything transgender and pretty soon LGBTQ plus, you name it, they're trying to make it all go away. I I don't get it. Uh, I don't get it. Why? They're, I, you know, what are they going to do? Put them all in internment camps? I don't know. That's, that's kind of crazy. But this one here I pulled today. This is from Uganda. Now, I mentioned this before, how Uganda was trying to pass some really serious draconian laws uh, including the death penalty for homosexuality. And so today, Uganda's Museveni says being LGBTQ should not be criminalized. So he's backing off a little bit. Latest recommendations suggest president is trying to tone down proposed anti-homosexuality law, which would be one of the harshest in the world. This is in Al Jazeera. Uganda president want the legislature to back off a little bit from the extremism generated in the original bill against homosexuality. No more death penalty. And a clear definition of lifestyle versus actual sexual acts, which have been illegal since the colonial days. A little bit of a reprieve, probably because of all the worldwide condemnation. And then this is the article I was telling you about, genocide. Now this is an article that was published in Substack.com from a young friend who's an activist against all of this. It's called The Invisible Crime of Cultural Genocide. We tend to think that genocide only means mass murder. It's from a Canadian friend, another article that talks to genocide in its many forms, such as what is happening in the United States with the transgender and LGBTQ plus communities. The U.S. is waging a war in the red states against anything they feel is an affront to their so-called Christian values. In this case, marriage between a man and a woman only, for which they claim is some kind of a holy commandment from their holy book. 
proven lies, but it's their story and they're sticking to it to the detriment of any marginalized couples. I'm also going to post a link to this in the webpage because it's a good read. It talks about how genocide comes in as many forms. And it's not like the movies where they just go in there with guns and wipe everybody out. Something Tom Hartman has talked about in some of his articles of late uh, in that book he wrote. Here, they're just doing it using politics and religion and everything else. And I got, I'm going to change gears off the LGBTQ and transgender articles. And this goes into the political divisiveness in, in counties around the country. This article is in a thriving Michigan, Michigan county. A community goes to war with itself. Ottawa County, Michigan offers a glimpse of what happens when one of the building blocks of American democracy is consumed by ideological battles by Greg Jaffe and Patrick Marley. And this is in the Washington Post. The story is part of a broader countrywide controversy over control of local governments and conservatives' bids to remold their communities into their religious ideologies and others who are trying to stand up to the new county boards or argue that their version of religion is how things should be. A parallel to a story I gave everyone from Idaho a few weeks back. If the U.S. has a civil war... It may be between varying Protestant Christian ideologies and which one is going to be in control of the governments. And this one, also kind of out of Michigan, and is kind of in line with that. Michigan Republicans fight effort to repeal ban on unmarried cohabitation. Now, Tom Hartman mentioned this here yesterday. But this law was signed in 1931, rarely enforced, but carries the penalty of prison time and a $1,000 fine from the Guardian. Another little oddity here. Nine Republicans in the state of Michigan are against it on a moral and so-called tax reason. But the Democratic legislature will be repealing this along with its archaic anti-abortion laws. Referencing that new landscape, a Democratic state senator, Eric Gase, tweeted, Between this and the anti-abortion laws that are now repealed in Michigan, 1931 was quite the year in Michigan when its legislature was composed solely of men. Quote, but this legislature, legislature in 2023, composed of mostly women, is fixing that shit, unquote. So Michigan is all Democratic now in their legislatures and, and government. And so they're repealing a lot of this silly stuff. But these nine Republicans are adamant, standing their ground, saying, no, we can't have people living together. they got to be married. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know where in the Bible it says that. I've read the Bible a couple, three or four times, and I don't remember ever talk, them talking about that. Especially in the Old Testament, when they had plurality. I mean, Abraham and Jacob and all them guys had more than one wife. And yeah, well, the Islamics, not very many of them do, but the ones who could afford it, they have more than one wife. All right, so this is basically a straight, a straight up claim, crime story. Colorado driver, 20, killed on a road when somebody threw a rock in her car in a spate of attacks. They're looking for the assailants who threw a rock through her windshield of Alexa Bartel's Chevy Spark last Wednesday night that killed her by Casey Baker. This is in People.com, Crime, Colorado newspaper. And I the only reason I included this is because there's there's a lot big violent uptick in crimes across the United States right now. 
and they caught three 18-year-olds here a, a day or so ago, and they, I'd like to know what the motive was for throwing rocks over an overpass and busting car windows out while the people are driving underneath. Some people were hurt, and this young lady got killed over it, and so obviously these guys are going to go to jail for murder. But the fact that they're 18 means that they're not minors anymore because they're 18. So now they're going to be charged as adults. Uh, that's a big thing. There was a thing in Austin, Texas a few years ago. Some guy was throwing rocks over interstate overpasses in downtown Austin and hurting people. They eventually caught him too. But just goes to show you, these people, have these stupid humans, don't care. And they're doing it for fun. Or for some really mental mental health reason, I guess the only I can think of. But it's crazy. Now, this is another story, um, and this is has worldwide implications, as I mentioned last week. This is another story about these Chinese police stations. It says the U.S. is cracking down on Chinese police stations with a tool Canada doesn't have. Now, this came from Alexander Panetta and Richard Raycroft in the CBC News. American authorities used a legal tool that doesn't exist in Canada. It's called a foreign agent's registry. Now, again, this is, uh, you know, a follow-on to that story I brought you last week, how New York City shut down Chinese police stations. Uh, the U.K. is shutting them down over there. Australia shut down a bunch of theirs. Um, and these police stations are being used to set up to harass Chinese dissidents around the world. Canada's maybe thinking they should have a law mirroring their southern borders. A foreign agent's registry? Well, the Australians did something like this, so maybe everybody else should get on board. And then the Chinese will find out that they can't just do whatever they want to around the world without repercussions. Now, I've got kind of a offbeat article here that you normally won't see in any of the front news. This came from Al Jazeera. And it's about a dispute from North America to Central America, because Mexico is considered Central America. This article is titled, Drop It America in Canada, A Court Clash with Mexico Helps No One. A brewing dispute over Mexican restrictions on some corn imports will only hurt farmers on all sides. From Ernesto Hernandez Lopez, he's a professor of law at the Fowler School of Law, Chapman University in the United States. It's an opinion piece, but once again, the Norte Americanos are after their money and rather bully Mexico over something stupid, like GMO corn exports from the north to Mexico. And in the article, it talks about the such a low percentage of these imports, and it doesn't really make a hill of beans about this, but yet North America is getting all upset. It's crazy. Now, this one... This is an article I picked up out of Ireland. And if anybody knows anything at all about Ireland, reads any of their news of late, they know that they got a severe housing shortage going on over there. And it's a really big problem. A lot of homeless people and people can't afford rents. Uh, it's basically coming down to food, food or a roof over their head, so on and so forth. So that it's, it's called public servants leaving the country because they have nowhere to live. Speaking in the Dale this week, Pauline Tully said our teachers, our nurses, our guardi, and people who are supposed to be working in our disability teams assessing children are leaving the country because they've got nowhere to live. And this is a video, um, a YouTube video, basically, uh, Facebook watch. 
and I'm going to post a link to this video in the, on the webpage. Um, and I, I get an email newsletter from the Sinn Féin every weekend. And, you know, they've talked about this housing shortage a lot of times. And I thought I would mention it this time because I, tr I want to bring articles from around the world here. And it's causing another case of immigrant diaspora like the 19th and early 20th centuries. So the big thing about back then, the English government basically said, well, we're going to starve all the Irish people over there and maybe they won't have a, they won't rebel anymore. And so millions, a million people died, millions more left over food and work. And now they're leaving because of a lack of roof over their heads. I mean, Ireland's got problems over there that they could address if they so choose. But their government is so their government over there is just about as divisive as the one in the United States. Travel organizations aim to make northwestern Ontario more welcoming with new LGBTQ tourism strategy. I included this because it's a good news article. It it wanna it makes you feel good about something for a change. LGBTQ Canadian travel market estimated to be more worth more than twelve billion annually. This is from Olivia Levesque in CBC News. And this is good news for the LGBTQ community and even maybe others. I would like to see this become popular elsewhere in the world, although I don't see the U.S. embracing this idea no matter the, how much profit margin they have because of the ignorant moralities. Again, stupid humans. Americans are so divisive and so standing on their Bible and trying to outlaw transgenderism and LGBTQ here in the United States that they're, they're never going to promote anything remotely close to this. But, you know, it's good on Ontario. I'm glad to see it. And here's some more good news. This is another back page news story. Anybody who likes IKEA stores, IKEA stores coming soon to eight new U.S. locations by Anna Kubin in CNN. And this is for American shoppers, uh, but, you know, Ikea is expanding around the world and it's expanding here in the U.S. now. I mean, I used to my wife and I used to shop at the Ikea store in Round Rock, Texas, when we lived out that way. And then I liked the store. And now well, I live here on the East Coast. and I got to drive an hour and a half to two hours to get to one, which I think is kind of crazy. But this is what it is. The big thing is this stuff is reasonably priced utilitarian furniture, and it's all about household furnishings. So not only do you have furniture, you got dishes and dish rags and you name it, anything you can think of for your house. The big thing about this store is the way it's laid out. It's European, and Americans aren't used to that. And it's to me, it was always fun to walk through because you, you'd get to see stuff. My wife loved the place, and the way they got it laid out, you walk through it, you see everything, if you know where you're going, you can head right to it. Uh, but the, the salespeople there are not in your face. They will come out, answer questions. They'll help you with something. But ideally, you pick out what you want, put it in your basket, or you take the tag off, whatever, if it's, if it's a large item, and you run it up front, and they ring it up for you. You know, they got a little food, some food kiosks and stuff at the end, if you're interested in snacks. And it's all Scandinavian food is, is a rule for, for the most part. But again, it's a very European store, which is a breath of fresh air for Americans. I just wish there was more of them. 
All right, now from the good news, back over, I'm going to swing to the pendulum the other way to the bad news. And this is another kind of a ugly back page article. Uh, you'll find it here in, in Al Jazeera. Kenya police exhume remains for suspected Christian cult graves. Police began investigations amid reports that cult followers believed they would go to heaven if they starved to death. It's very gruesome in nature, but it goes to show you how religions can make people do very bad things in the name of their gods. This is in the shades of the Jim Jones cult a few years ago in Guyana and how they drank the Kool-Aid because their minister, Jim Jones, told them to. They would get to a heaven. And there's been a few other cults like that through the years based on the premise that if you do what I tell you to, I'll give you a quick route to heaven and it's, I'm the only way you can get there. Uh, and the thing, there's an update to this story. Uh, the, you know, this I pulled this out a few days ago, but the update is they've, they have found probably close to 90 bodies and they're still looking. And here's another one from Tom Hartman. The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment, chapters 6 and 8. Now, this here about the genocidal colonization of the American continent using guns. And it seems that very little has changed in the 400 years other than the technology in the weapons being used. So they went from, you know, flintlocks and arbogases and stuff like that with the Spaniards. And, of course, we all know AR-15s are all the rage right now. And here's an article, more articles on gun violence. And this one I pulled out of Medium.com as well. Why you can get shot in America for... Knocking on the wrong door. Meet America's newest institution of social collapse, the doorstep shooting by Umar Haig. It's a very insightful look at the gun culture in the U.S. and where it's going soon. I agree with his analysis. The United States is heading for a reckoning with its violent colonizing past and that the deadline may be the 2024 presidential elections. The U.S. is on a cusp over ideologies and a, late, and a state autonomy. With the wrong leader in the White House in 2025, the U.S. could become another failed state very quickly afterwards. And here's an article on book banning that I picked up as well. But this one's from outside the country. This journalist is from Al Jazeera. Her name is Belene Fernandez. I've talked to, I've pulled up a couple of her articles in the last couple of weeks. This one is The American War on Books. A prominent feature of the assault on freedom of thought and expression in the U.S. is the race to ban books. And she's an outsider. Now, she has lived in the United States, but she doesn't now. And she hasn't lived in the United States for some time. But because she's traveled around the world, she writes articles from around the world and not from the United States. But she writes about the United States. And... Her take on this is likely reflected by a lot of other people outside the country wondering if the United States is still a viable entity anymore. I'm kind of wondering about that myself, too. Good article here. And this is more about public education. And, you know, we're talking about book banning here. And this is not that, but this is about school vouchers. Florida just expanded school vouchers again. Here's what it could mean for public education. And this was in USA Today by Laura Papano. It's not only in DeSantis land, but in all of the United States, in all of the states who want to expand school vouchers. Not all students can get into private schools. The reason being is the vouchers for a fixed amount. 
and the, the private schools are charging X amount. So you need to pony up more money if you want to get your kid into a private school. All the vouchers do is help you. They don't pay for the whole thing. So the idea is that because not all students can get into private schools, is that the ultimate goal? Private school for the few and probably not graduating from school for a bunch of lower class, lower class poor people who can't afford to make the cut. Our public schools are going to be a relic of the past. I've said this many times. Red states, if they go with these vouchers and they give vouchers out to people who want to put their kids in private schools, you know, the folks who can't afford that, what are they going to do with their kids when the public schools close? Homeschooling? Well, for some who can do that, sure. What about parents who both parents got to work and they're ex- they're expecting the schools to be, uh, d- you know, daycare for their kids. Well, when that ha- when that goes, what they're, what are the kids going to do? Well, you know, we talked about child labor here in the United States. Well, think about the future of that. The future of maybe kids who can't afford to go to private schools because, you know, the even though they get vouchers, they may end up just being working. Spanish, this is, this is kind of a funny article a little bit. This is from Spain. I found this one in The Guardian. Spanish firm wronged to fire electrician for drinking alcohol during a working day. Court rules. High court in Spain found an electrical company had not proved man was drunk after he was seen drinking beer, wine, and brandy at lunch. This electrical contracting company hired a private detective to surveil its employees and fired an electrician who had been with him for 27 years over supposed over-consuming alcoholic beverages during the day outside of working hours. We're talking about before breakfast, at lunch, and then after after he's done working, after five, but he was driving the company van. Imagine if this happened in the United States. Conservatives would be frothing at the mouth with cries to lynch him for endangering the public. And that's probably true. But the upshot of it was, if anything, this man's probably an alcoholic, but he's not his quality of work, his quality of work, was never d- diminished by his drinking. And Europeans, not all, but in some European countries, drinking at you know different hours of the day is looked upon as a cultural thing. In Spain, it's probably one of them. But the fact that the court ruled in his favor, you know, good on him. I know you definitely wouldn't see that here in the United States. The courts, the religious courts here, would be all over him. How one Chinese ambassador's comments set off a wave of European fury. Again, this is another one of those things about China. The uh, the ambassador uh, to the EU made some comments about how former Soviet states may not be legitimate. And well, I'm telling you what, those countries just come unglued. And now Beijing is scrambling for the fallout. And that's not a good thing for them. This was an NBC News by Alex, Alexander Smith. And here's another funny one uh, I picked up from overseas. This was in The Guardian. Norway irked over Sweden's silence on rocket that crashed on its shores. Research rocket launches from Karuna, northern Sweden, had plunged into a mountainside in Norway's far north. And the big thing is, this was just a research rocket that went off course and someone neglected to tell the Norwegians. And now the Swedish scientists want their rocket parts back and they want to cross the border to go get them. 
You think the Norwegians aren't a little miffed at their neighbors right about now? Yeah, they're kind of making that public now. And so just when you think all of the Scandinavian countries, the four up there, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and Norway, all get along like brothers in arms, well, maybe not quite so much. And this one here, this is, this is, I'm going to bring it back to the United States now. This is the, uh, this is about that banking thing. Uh, we, as everybody knows, a couple of weeks ago, uh, bank went under, had to get bailed out. I know the bank over in Switzerland uh, went under, um, after being in business for 163 years, and they had to get bailed out. So now we have another bank, First Republic, shares hit record low after depositors pull out a hundred billion dollars. First Republic stock closes down nearly 50% amid questions about San Francisco lenders' future. This one, I caught this one in Al Jazeera. But this is, it's a big deal. It's not just for this bank, but for a lot of other banks around the country in North America. Because the big thing about it is we're all worried about a run, a, a basically a run on the banks and causing bank failures from coast to coast. Um, pretty much like what happened in 2008. Now, President Obama bailed out a whole bunch of banks back then, but I don't think Biden's going to do that this time. I, uh, these banks, if they fail, uh, he's just going to let them go under. And yes, with you, I think that's the right thing to do. Chief Justice John Roberts declines to appear at Senate Judiciary meeting. And the only reason I included this, because it goes to how the Americans view their government. After reports of ties between Justice Clarence Thomas and a Republican donor, the Senate invited Roberts to testify about judicial ethics. This is in The Guardian. More fuel for the fire with Clarence Thomas. Senate is starting an investigation and gearing up to try and pass new ethic rules for the justices. But Justice Roberts disdainfully declines to accept an invitation to participate is it might look bad for the Supreme Court if they get involved with Congress. Well, he's citing the separation of church and state. But when I say disdainfully, means that one of his aides said this, he declined to accept, rather than the justice himself. And the other part of it is that rather than getting involved with this citing church and state, he's basically holding his nose above and saying, well, I'm too good for this. We're, we're too good as justices. We're above the law. Uh, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Now, here's another one that I talked about last week, and this is a follow-up. GOP Senator Tuberville blocked 184 military promotions in his ongoing abortion fight with the Pentagon. And this is from Candy Woodall in USA Today. I won't really talk about that too much because I gave it all to you last week. But he's still blocking all these military promotions, and it's starting to cause a huge ripple event across the military uh, institution here in the United States. And, and he, apparently he's just going to keep holding out. I don't know how that's going to go here down the road. And in this one, I got from Australia. And the reason I pulled this up is because it, it's Australia, but it mirrors a lot of the crime we hear have here in the United States. Man who hunted teenage girl like an animal with bows and arrows in an Aldi store near Brisbane, Australia, jailed. Benjamin, Benjamin Jeremy Burke pleads guilty to attempted murder after chasing and shooting teenager with arrows from a compound bow. And he actually hit her with one. And then, you know, he's a mentally ill man who wanted to commit suicide by cop. 
tried to kill people with bows and arrows, plus a sledgehammer and some other primitive objects, and his attempt at suicide. Well, he didn't succeed. They arrested him, and now he's going to be in a mentally ill and or whatever. They're going to put him in a hospital or put him in jail. But, you know, this is in Australia. But it goes to show you that it's, this stuff doesn't just happen in the United States. Australia's having their share of it. Um, you know, maybe a little more th- more so in the U.K. But, you know, Australia, when it comes to the wild and woolly, they're almost as bad as the cowboy attitude here in the United States. Here's one. This is uh, more of, I don't know if it's political. Uh, it's more financial in some ways. Unprepared Twitter among tech firms to face tough new EU digital rules. Designation is a very large online platform, among, along with 16 other major names, means big penalties for any breaches. And again, this is out of the Guardian. Big fines could be levied by the EU for non-compliance of not outlining risk of harmful content, such as disinformation, misogyny, harms to children, intellectual manipulation. 16 other companies are on the hook as well, but Twitter appears to be woefully unprepared. Yeah, go figure. Could the U.S. learn a lesson from this from the EU? Well, that's the question. Would the United States learn from the EU about um, taking care of business over here? Yeah, I don't think so. All right, so it's time for me to go on break. Okay, Um, I'm going to go get my water break and take care of business, and I'll be back in just a few minutes. I want to take this time to promote the online publications that I publish my blog articles, stories, and this podcast to. You can get access to not only my articles, but thousands of other writers from around the world who write about anything and everything, all for just $5 a month, or the option for a discount with an annual subscription. If you just care to read my articles, I also have an option to leave a donation to my coffee fund on medium.com, or a subscription to either Medium or Substack, or both. Whatever you decide, bless you in advance. And no hard feelings if you don't. If you'd like to read about the goings-on in the world, tech articles, some light fiction, or listen to podcasts, you can have the best of everything. Substack.com writers and podcasters are people you may never have heard of, but they are great writers nonetheless. If you like celebrities, there are articles from some well-known people in there as well. Medium.com has articles from any genre you can imagine and are easily searchable with thousands of great writers to choose from. I read articles from various authors every day from both of these publications, some of which I highlight in this podcast at times when they have something that stands out. I highly recommend these two online publications for whatever type of reader or listener you may be. If you want portability, there are downloadable apps available for your mobile devices. Check them out. What have you got to lose? Remember, Substack.com and Medium.com. Also, be sure to check out my website, Crombieha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. It has a blog page where I offer insights and teasers about the articles and stories I have written and where I posted them. Here you can also learn about what Krambeha means for a little cultural benefit and more about me in general. There are also links to my Medium and Substack pages, a referral link for a subscription to medium.com, and a direct link to this podcast plus a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. It only takes a minute to click a link or do a Google search to see what these sites have to offer. Go ahead, have a sit down with a cuppa and enjoy some good reading or listen to whatever you fancy for. 
quote something from a couple of TV shows. And I took an article that I found in Popular Mechanics, and it's titled, Lou Elizondo ran the Pentagon's UFO unit and says the government is withholding what it knows. Official reports show unidentified craft entering restricted U.S. airspace. Elizondo wants to ensure they don't cause the next Pearl Harbor by David Hower and again, popularmechanics.com. And I'm kind of go through this. The story is about a decorated American military veteran who rose out to be one of the DOD's top experts on UFOs and how he is still in the fight to bring it all to light for the public to decide. He gave up a very lucrative job in the Pentagon over politics and vindictiveness to become a consultant and more. He co-starred on the show Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. It was ran for a couple of seasons, and it didn't really say what channel it was on, but it's you know it's it's finished anyway. And he's had a lot of front-page media presence, and his book has triggered a bidding war that will highlight profound implications for humanity, end quote. According to his publisher, HarperCollins, imprint William Morrow. Lou Elizondo can be heard on lots of podcasts all at once due to his revelations. UFOs have been in the media for nearly 80 years, since Roswell in 1947. Governments don't want to panic the people, so they keep the stuff under wraps and debunk as much as possible. According to Lou Elizondo, there is a lot of truth in all these sightings, much of which is still classified something he's trying to bring out of the shadows. Lou is scared of an extraterrestrial race coming to Earth someday and giving humanity another 9-11 or Pearl Harbor on a global-wide scale. With all the evidence piling up, he's trying to bring awareness to the public without violating his security clients. He's up against a major headwind coming at him from several directions, from the government to the nutjobs, who are fomenting conspiracy theories out the wazoo to discredit to discredit him or over the overtop him with their own out of their theories, most of which offer no evidence, whereas Lou has plenty. Most people have heard the American Air Forces Project Blue Book by now, and in largely and the largely laughed at material that the government allowed the people to learn about. Now UFOs are called UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, potatoes, potatoes. A leading mainstream journalist for the last 20 years, Leslie Keene, shares her frustrations about trying to report this stuff. Publishing a bestseller, UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on a record. In December of 2017, Keene and two other reporters published a piece in the New York Times about the existence of a secret, secret Pentagon unit, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP that had been the, working on the UAP issue under Lou Elizondo's leadership. The story gave compelling evidence of aircraft flying without any visible means of propulsion and making maneuvers that defied physics, or known physics anyway. Lou says that we know unknown extraterrestrial beings are conducting intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance of a global nature about our nuclear and weapons technologies. And we have the declassified reporting to prove it. The article talks about who Lua Elizondo is, his background, and what he's doing now, besides being a media giant. If you look past that, what you see is how he's trying to sound the alarm about what may be coming for us someday. 
I've been a huge science fiction reader since my early teens in the 1960s. I grew up on fictional stories of alien invaders and things that, were, that have, there have been plenty of movies about as well. One of the more popular ones in the last few years was Independence Day in 1996 with Will Smith and a few other noteworthy stars. It isn't much of a leap for me to believe that Earth could be invaded someday by a more advanced species bent on world domination and human annihilation. Or maybe they might be a benevolent species like the Vulcans, Vulcans of Star Trek fame. Either way, it would upset the world order as we know it. With the humans as paranoid as they are amongst themselves, can you imagine the different takes on a visitation by an extraterrestrial species? You would have extreme fear or extreme attempts at cooperation, which would be an epic fail if the species came to enslave us or take over the planet. World governments would collapse and others would get extremely aggressive and try to destroy the invaders without much provocation. I can see the U.S. and Russia at the top of that list. I can just about guarantee it wouldn't be anything like the movies where the humans end up the saviors of the world. There are so many books and movies out there where the human race ended up on the wrong side of things and life became very bad all around. Like the Battlefield Earth books by L. Ron Hubbard that became a movie with John Travolta as the alien. And I guarantee you, I did see the movie, and it wasn't as good as the book. The book was a good read. I read it when I was in high school. We humans like to think we are unique in the great universe, but I bet we aren't. The universe is so vast in nature, it doesn't take much imagination to think there has to be civilizations everywhere in the galaxy, or the next galaxy over, and so on. We may be a backwater solar system with one inhabited planet, but what about other solar systems with multiple inhabitable planets that may have had species on them way before the humans were even a thing on this planet? Which means they have had a lot more time to develop interstellar travel and maybe using planet-busting weapons. For those who listen to this, think about all this. The existential question today, something that has been brought up numerous times in our modern history over the last 75 plus years. Isn't it probable, given what we know about UAPs now, that we are not alone in the universe? I propose, aligning with Lou Elizondo's views, that all of these sightings are a precursor of more to come, and we will likely see more sightings in the future. And they may become even more brazen in nature. Maybe they are not concerned with hiding from us anymore and are sizing up our strengths. Given that most of the recent sightings have been around military installations and facilities, such as missile silos, that is not too hard to imagine. Now we have to ask ourselves, how do we handle this? We know that some will react with fear and aggression and try to destroy the perceived threat. But if they're so advanced, are they really here to enslave us or worse? I think we should find out before we start shooting. And that's all I have for this week to offer you. And I have a thought for you to ponder as we part ways this week. Do you think there's a good chance that extraterrestrials will show themselves to us soon? I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of the Crombie Podcast. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. This podcast will be free for a few weeks in Substack.com and can be downloaded from the iTunes store under my name, spelled out T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L. My goal is for this to be a sort of pub atmosphere during our time together with a slightly Irish flair. 
While I can't offer you a pint while you listen to me rant about the injustice around the world, I still want to bring you a smile or two and make you think a little after we part for the day. As I close out this episode, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day until we meet again. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Slongo foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.